Hey, Reach Church, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our midweek service with our very own Pastor Isaac Roman and the message continuing our series, In My Head, Discipline, Focus, Frequency, and Failure. Enjoy this message. Amen. How many of you agree with that? There's nothing better than the Lord tonight. I'm excited to be able to minister tonight. I'm looking forward to what God is going to do here. I hope you came into the house of the Lord expecting a move of God. How many of you are expecting move? Okay, we've got like the first two rows right here in the middle. We're going to get the rest of you back in here, but uh, it's just good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, Pastor Omar said uh, it's good to worship without a mask. Uh, uh, you know, I, was, I felt like I was hindered, Pastor Omar. I was hindered behind that mask, but I, I feel liberated here tonight. Uh, I, I do want to, uh, before I go any further, I do want to honor our senior pastors, Pastor Omar and Sister Letty. Let them know how much I appreciate them, how much I love them. And uh, uh, just their consistency, uh, even through the season, as you know, Pastor Omar lost his uh, lost his mother back in January, and his consistency and his and uh, his leadership and faith uh, through that. And uh, we had a, uh, an awesome celebration of her life. Uh, it was beautiful. Pastor Omar gave a, a beautiful eulogy. But I, just, I I love you, Pastor Omar. Just that you guys are great, uh, uh, great spiritual parents to me and my wife, and you guys have helped us so much. And I just want to honor you tonight. Uh, I, I'm so proud of uh, of our church, our congregation, our leadership. I was thinking about this uh, today, and there's a couple of young uh, young couples that are planning on getting married. We're, we're, we have a wedding upcoming this weekend, and I was thinking about that, and I was just thinking, I was kind of overwhelmed, I'll be honest. I was a little bit overwhelmed just thinking about the goodness of God and just thinking about what God is doing here in our church. God is moving all over the place. Don't don't get it twisted. Don't listen to the media. Don't, don't, don't get it twisted. God is moving all over the place, but especially what God is doing here. I've just been so, so blown away by it. Uh, I, I'm going to minister tonight. I'm going to stay in line. I'm going to stay in line with the house. Amen. I'm going to stay in order with the house tonight. And I'm going to be ministering in the sermon series in my head. Now, I want to tell you this, that this sermon series that, uh, that, that, uh, that we're going through, uh, let me tell you what it's not. This sermon series is not uh, positive reinforcement. This sermon series is not a uh, behavior modification. Okay, this, this sermon series, uh, it, it's, it's not uh, self-help. Okay, uh, I'll tell you what else this series is not. This series is not uh, new age manifesting. Okay, so it's not like we're going to talk about it and then it's going to manifest. Okay, that's new age. That's demonic. You want to talk about the law of attraction and all this other nonsense. I'll tell you this. Manifesting, hashtag manifesting, has 334 million views on TikTok. Can you believe that? I'm going to blow your mind even, even further here. Uh, hashtag manifestation uh, has a whopping 4.3 billion views on TikTok. That leads me to believe that there's a lot of people looking for truth. That, that leads me to believe that there's a lot of people looking for the power of God ultimately. And uh, I'm here to tell you that we have it. We have the Word of God. We have the power of God in us. And so, uh, so what I'm going to be talking about tonight, this is spiritual truths for spiritual people. How many of you are spiritual people in the house? The Bible says out of 1 Corinthians 2.13, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. 
In other words, it's saying it, we're explaining spiritual truths in a spiritual language and explaining spiritual truths to spiritual people. And so this morning or uh, this evening as, uh, as, as I go through this, I want you to consider these things. What, uh, it could, it, you could very easily kind of take what I'm saying and say, okay, well, I'm going to apply this to my life and this is going to be self-help. This is going to help me live better and things like that, which there is fringe benefits to living out the word of God like that. But I, I'm here to tell you that I'm going to speak spiritual truths tonight that are going to set some people free. It's going to break some bondages that are in our minds and, and in our hearts. So let's pray. Come on, just, just, just pray with me. So, Father, we thank you, God, for your truth, God. We thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you're doing. Come on, guys, pray with me. Father, I just pray right now, Lord, we submit to you, God. You have all authority and power. Father, I rebuke every foul spirit that may be in this place. I rebuke every every foul thought, God, that contends against the primacy or the primacy of your word, God. I pray, Father, th tonight, Lord, that we'd be in subjection to your word, God, to your truth. Father, I thank you, Lord, right now for who you are and what you're doing. I pray, God, that you would anoint me. Father, that you would help me, God, to articulate the word and the message that you placed in my spirit. I thank you, God, for your goodness. In Jesus' name, the church of God said amen. Amen and amen. Well, on Sunday, Pastor Omar, uh, he talked about the mind. And what he talked about, he used an illustration or a metaphor that the mind is like a computer. And as you know that you could buy the most expensive computer with the most RAM, and I'm not a tech guy, but with the most RAM, the most memory, uh, the fastest processor, all these different things. But if your operating system isn't in line, there's a problem. Even worse, if, if you get a virus in that computer, in that system, it begins to slow things things down, things begin to glitch, things begin to go haywire. And on Sunday, uh, Pastor Omar said, you know, the Holy Spirit is like an antivirus. All right. And so we have the Holy Spirit in us and the Holy Spirit cleans some of that stuff out and blocks out some of that stuff in our lives. And as I was thinking about that, I, I wanted you to consider this thought that tonight's message is kind of like a software update. How many of you, you got that, that, that red indication on your, on your phone about, uh, hey, you need to update your, your, your operating system because there's some glitches and there's some bug fixes that we gotta fix. And so I want you to kinda consider tonight as I, as, as I, as I, uh, as, as I minister tonight that this is kind of an update. Anybody need an update? Maybe halfway through the week, we need an update. We need to fix some things. There's some things starting to glitch a little bit. It's not working the way it's supposed to be. And, uh, and we're here tonight, uh, to, to get that. Now, uh, for, for some of us, as I'm saying this, uh, I understand that there's some in the house that uh, you may not necessarily fully understand what I'm talking about, operating systems and things like this. Really, these are the uh, precepts of God. These are uh, really the order of God in your life. And maybe you're not living that way. Maybe you're not living aligned to uh, the order of God in your life. And, and we'll talk about that uh, and, we'll, and we'll help you. But, but others, uh, others of us, um, uh, and, and I'm sorry, what, one of the things I wanted to mention is, uh, you know, when, when we talk about living for God and we talk, talk about uh, doing the, the right thing and living a, a life that's morally pleasing to God, that, that's a good thing and it's a right thing. But I love what Pastor Omar said the other day. He said, uh, not only is it the right thing, but it's the better thing. And if we could be convinced, listen, if we could be convinced that living our lives to please God really is a better, a better method for our life or a better choice for our life. More people would do it. 
So these software updates that we need, the, soft, the software updates that I'm talking about tonight, uh, these, these are important because they often include uh, critical patches to sec, uh, for security holes. So it, it patches up things that might creep into our minds. It, it patches up things that might creep into our hearts. This also provides an improved stability in our lives. How many of us need a little bit more stability in our faith, a little bit more stability in our emotions, a little bit more stability in our mind, in our hearts, and, and, and all of those things? And ultimately these updates that you that you put onto your phone or your your device whatever it is it's aimed at making the user experience more better how many of you want to experience god more deep in a more in a more real way in your life so I, w- I want to share a story tonight, and uh, I'm, I'm going to share a lot of stories. I'm going to be a little bit transparent here tonight. Uh, I, I want to—I'm sh- going to share a story with you about uh, how I grew up. Now, uh, when I grew up, I, I grew up in—and in, uh, I, I grew up in a Christian home. It was uh, my parents were pastors uh, my entire life, uh, or their entire life. And uh, I remember my mom. Uh, my, my mom, when I was when I was growing up, she would always tell me how special I was. Now, uh, I, I might be bragging a little bit, and I understand that not everyone was as fortunate as I was to grow up in a, in, in a healthy home where, uh, you know, mom and dad were there and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But I, I always remember from as, as, as young as I can remember, my mom telling me how special I was. And uh, as a, as a young boy, you know, I felt like a giant, right? And then and then she and then she she layered it on a little bit more. She started telling me about my birth story, and and this is a little bit about uh, a little bit about my uh, my testimony. But my birth story is this: is that uh, my my parents had three children. One of them uh, passed, but had I have two older siblings. And after my older brother, that's four years older than me, uh, my dad had a vasectomy. Okay, and so y- you guys understand what that is. Four years later, here's, here's baby Isaac. Isaac comes into the world, okay? And so, you know, and so number one, you know, mom, mom is telling me how special I am. Number two, it's reinforced by this story. There's a, there's a destiny of God on my life, and I'm not making, I'm not making fun of that. I'm not making light of that. But, but it, it really started getting into me how special I was. And, and, uh, and I remember there's different things in my life. I just continue to see the grace of God on my life. I think uh, one time I was, uh, I was nine or ten years old, and uh, uh, we, we were, um, I was with my mom, and we went down to Linwood. And uh, this, this has traumatized me. I'm scared of Linwood, okay? We went to Linwood to visit a relative, and I remember pulling, pulling up there, and I couldn't tell you where we were at exactly, but uh, I remember pulling up there, and me and my brother were in the car, and we said, hey, uh, we want to stay in the car, Mom, and Mom's like, no, 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 you're not staying in the car. This is a, this is a bad, uh, bad neighborhood. You're coming inside. We fought a little bit, and ultimately, Mama won, and so, uh, so we got out of the car, and uh, we go inside the house, and I literally, I, I may be exaggerating a little bit, but it felt like literally the moment that we walked into that, to that house, I heard screeching uh, outside and gunshots, and there was a drive-by shooting, and my mom's car, which was parked in front of these apartments, was crushed in the back where, where me and my brother were at. And so I think about these things, and all of these, you know, I think about what my mom used to tell me all the time, and I think about some of these other stories, and it just kind of reinforced all these things that, my goodness, I am special. And then, 
And then I, as, I, as I got older and, and I thought that I could just kind of show up everywhere and I, I was going to be celebrated as special, and I thought that I was going to have special treatment because how many, uh, how many, uh, how many folks in this house or in the house tonight, uh, like you were mama's little mijo or, or little hito? How, how many of you guys? Raise your hand up. Come on. Hi, 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 hi. Yeah, that was me. Uh, I, I, was, I was the little mijo, the little hito, whatever I wanted. I got it. Uh, you know, uh, you know uh, my wish was everyone's command and all that kind of stuff, right? But as I, as I started getting older and I played sports and all this stuff, and I, again, I thought I was just really special. But I, I think I remember right around when I started playing sports and I went from Little League to Pony League and Travel Ball. And I'm, I'm sure there's some that, that have played that, played there. And so in Little League, I was always kind of pretty good. I was slightly above average, okay? I wasn't great. I was slightly above average. I was, I was good enough to be invited to Pony League, right? And so I remember going into Pony League, and I realized uh, when they put me in right field, I realized that I'm not as good as I thought I was. I was a pitcher. I was, you know, I, I was, I played third base. I, I, I did all these things, but I realized that. And then, uh, as I got older, uh, in my life, I realized I'm not as smart as, uh, as I thought I was. I, I, I wasn't a great student. Um, and, and all these things. And really, uh, this reality started setting in, in my life. And so I believed one thing and my experience was different. And I remember, I remember in that moment that my identity started to get, uh, kind of get attacked. And, uh, and I realized, I realized this as, as an adult. It took me a long time. I'm, I'm, I'm a slow learner. But I realized in, in my life, if I wanted to be successful in anything, that I was going to have to discipline myself. I wasn't going to be able just to show up and do it. I wasn't going to be able just to wing it and get by. I realized that I had to put in the work to discipline my life and discipline myself so that I could succeed. Succeed, and so I, I would say this often to people, and and uh, I, I would say that I would have to work twice as hard because I'm half as smart. Um, so I, I I just kind of dug in and really started placing disciplines in my life. And tonight I want to talk to you about in our sermon series about our mindsets and in our minds. I want to talk to you about discipline. Say discipline. That's a bad word. No one likes to hear discipline. But I want, I want to talk tonight about discipline, and I want to talk about three areas in which we need discipline. We need discipline in our focus, say focus. We need discipline in our frequency, say frequency. And we need focus through our failure. So listen, what, what goes into our body uh, is more important than what we do with our body. Now, again, I uh, uh, keep everything that I'm saying into context, okay? So it's not that whatever you do with your body, it doesn't matter. No, there's, uh, there's sin and, and there's consequences for what you do, okay? But it's more important what you put in your body than what you do with your body. Now, um, uh, so I, I, uh, I try to, I, I go to the gym often, okay? And I try to stay healthy in, in all of this. And I, I tell people all the time, you know, they're looking for the six pack and I say that the six pack is in the refrigerator. And what I mean by that is the six pack is in, is, is in your nutrition, what you put into your body. So you could go to the gym, you could be a gym rat, you could work out as much as you can. But if you're putting junk into your body, uh, nothing is going to change. It's more important what you put into your body than what you do with your body. So it's the same with your mind. What are you allowing into your mind? What are you allowing into your heart uh, as you go throughout your day? Because see, we need to discipline our mind because 
our thoughts lead to action, which impact our experience. Our thoughts lead to action, which impact our experience. Philippians 4, 8 through 9 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Listen, every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to come. I want to say that one more time. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. And so no single instance will transform your beliefs. But as the votes build up, as those actions begin to mount, so does the evidence of your new identity. And so we're talking about these actions that will reinforce who we are in Christ. And so tonight, again, tonight I want to propose to you that we would consider disciplining ourselves in focus and in our frequency and even in our failure. So uh, my, my, my core scripture here tonight is 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, and I'll read it with you. Uh, do, not, uh, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. How many of you want the prize? Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So I, I want to go through and, and kind of, I'm going to exegete this a little bit and then get to my points, but I, I want you to consider some of these things. So uh, the first, the, the first uh, verse there in 25, it says, do you not know that in a race, all runners run? And so Paul's using this metaphor of competition to illustrate his point. So just as runners, and, and I can't, I, I don't understand running, okay? I'll, I'll just say that. Uh, we were driving uh, down, uh, down Clark Avenue by Long Beach, by a, a park there, and I saw this guy running, and I just couldn't understand why he was running, okay? I, I just, I didn't get it. I don't understand it. It's hot outside. Uh, you know, it's a little guy. He's got little shorts on, no shirt. I'm just like, what, what are you doing? Why are you running like that? But anyways, just as these runners uh, in a foot race are practicing certain disciplines to make it possible for them to win the race, so also Christians, you and I, must practice certain disciplines to make it possible for us to win the spiritual prize. The Bible goes on to say, but only one gets the prize. Now, I, I, want us to, I, want, I want you to understand this, that there are many that are going to make it to heaven. There are many that are going to earn salvation. There's many. There's more than one in the house, right? Yes, okay, all right. So, so, so listen, that's not what he's saying here. He's not saying that, you know, exclusivity or anything like that. Many are going to, uh, to, to earn salvation. Many are going to go into heaven, okay? Jesus said it, right? In my house, there's many mansions for many people, okay? So uh, there's, there's many of us that are going to make it. But what, but what Paul is emphasizing in this point is that there are winners and losers in this race, 
There are winners and losers in this race. Well, what do you mean by that? I'm telling you, not everyone goes to heaven. So there are winners and losers in this race, and, and, and Paul is making this very, very clear to us. And so uh, it, go, it goes on to say, uh, run in such a way as to get the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. And so Paul is emphasizing running the spiritual race uh, in a way as to win the prize that we're all going for. Now, this kind of leads, that this kind of raises a question that uh, are my works going to give me salvation? Are my works going to, so if I'm running and I'm disciplining myself in that of itself, will, will I gain this eternal prize? Okay, some of, you, some of you guys are answering right. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay, that's not what I'm saying here. That's not what Paul is saying here. Paul actually emphasizes the fact that we're justified freely by God. And so Romans 3, 24 and 25 says, justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be an atoning sacrifice through faith in his blood. So we understand that it's a, it's a move of God. It's a sovereign act of God that we're saved by. It is through faith in his blood that we're redeemed. And so I, I want to make that very, very clear. I'm not implying that if you place these disciplines in your life uh, that, you're, that you're going to be saved, okay? It's, it's by the grace of God. There's nothing that we could do. But he is warning about running with discipline to win the spiritual prize shows that the way we live is significant, is a significant component of winning this spiritual prize or this salvation. Listen, he's warning about running with discipline because this is a significant component of winning the spiritual prize that we're all, get, that we're all pursuing, and that's heaven. And so the Bible, so, so it goes on to say, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Now, uh, I, I, I have a cousin, and I don't understand this either, guys. I have a cousin that uh, he trained for like six months, and he, uh, he competed in the Bryce Canyon Ultra, the Bryce Canyon Ultra, okay? And so this is uh, uh, like a 30K, and it's in a mountainous region of Idaho, I believe, okay? You can look it up. And, and so it's like uphill, and it's hot, and you're like in the desert, and you're in the mountains and, and doing all this stuff, and he competed in that. And I'm, I'm wondering, like, why are you doing that? Again, I, I can't understand the guy running on the street. I definitely can't understand the guy that's wanting to go run into the mountains and, and, and compete this way. But, uh, but one of the things that he said that was interesting, he said that I wanted to do something that was hard. And, and he, he wanted to really challenge himself. And so, uh, so he, he took a lot of extra time in preparing himself and doing all these kind of, uh, uh, all these exercises and preparing himself for this race. The same way that Paul is encouraging us here that we would go into strict training to prepare ourselves for this race. That we wouldn't just be flippant about what we do, but we would be very intentional. Uh, I'll say it again, that we, should, that we would be very intentional about the way that we run this race. And so, listen, winning today requires practicing yesterday and the day before and the day before that. The game in which the competitor competes is only the tip of the iceberg, but most of the effort lies below the surface and out of sight. You see these 
uh, you, you see uh, uh, MMA, right? We were, uh, I just watched the MMA fight, and you see, you know, some of these guys, they, they, they do all this training for months and months and months, and then they get into the fight, and then they get knocked out in like four seconds. It's a very, very short part of, of their training, but they had been in training. They had disciplined their bodies. They had disciplined their diet. They had disciplined their minds to prepare for this. And so how does the Christian discipline ourselves? How do we discipline ourselves to win the spiritual prize? Very, very basic. You read your Bible. You pray. You fast. You go on to feed the hungry. Give the thirsty something to drink. Welcome the stranger. You know what I love about this church? Is I say, I, I say it every Sunday when I'm taking an offering. Uh, it, it, don't tune me out when I'm taking an offering. Hear this. Uh, every single time we, we welcome a visitor for the first time, what we say here, and this is what we believe, is that they belong. And so the first time someone walks in, there's no prerequisite. There's nothing that they have to do. There's nothing that they have to sign. They belong to, to the family of God. There's a place for them here. I love that about this church. I love that about our culture. Uh, other disciplines that we could do is, is we could uh, clothe the naked. We could take care of the sick. And we could visit the prisoner. These are the disciplines that the Christian could do to set ourselves up to, to, to win this spiritual prize. And so listen, all of these things that we're doing, it doesn't gain us salvation, okay? It doesn't, get, it doesn't necessarily gain you salvation. But what it does do is moves you closer to God. See, a lot of people want, they, they want to get deep with God. They want, uh, they, they, they want the power of God uh, to be manifested in their lives. And really, if we did these simple practical things, our hearts would become closer to God and God would be closer to us. And so we, we need to think about these things, and we need to practice them. The Bible goes on to say they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. If you go back and you look at what Paul's talking about, uh, those that competed in these games, it was like boxing, wrestling, and racing, and uh, a, couple of, a, a couple of sports there. Um, but uh, they would get these wreaths, these crowns of wreaths that were literally made out of leaves and celery and, like, sticks, and they would fight and they would discipline their bodies to get this thing. And I think about the crown of righteousness in which we're pursuing each and every one of us. And how much more precious, uh, how much more precious that prize is. I, I think about, and, and really they, they would do this and it was like, anybody ever got really nice flowers? Any ladies in the house, you got really nice flowers? Hopefully from your husband. Uh, if, not, if not recently, husbands, this is your warning. Get your wife some flowers. Come on. But you can bring in that bouquet, right? And it's just beautiful. It smells great. Uh, they don't last very long. I, I, you know, spend a lot of money on flowers and, and they, you know, before you know it, they're gone. And this is what, this is what Paul is talking about. He's contrasting this, these wreaths and these, these, uh, these, these, uh, these carnal kind of prizes that so many people chase after. Think about that in your own life. Think about that in the lives of people that you love. How many of them are chasing the things of this world that are going to perish? It's going to pass away and forfeiting the eternal things. I see it all the time. It's heartbreaking. It goes on to say, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. Listen, many people are blindly climbing a ladder that they've determined this is the best thing for me, for my family, or for my life. We could put up that, that picture of, of a ladder. 
If we got it, there it is. All right. So this painting here, this piece of art, is uh, is called the Ladder to Nowhere. And when I look at this, when I thought about this, I thought there's so many people that are chasing the things of this world, trying to climb this ladder that leads absolutely nowhere. Think about that. I, I work for a large corporation, okay? And uh, uh, everyone is pursuing, you know, this, I don't know, this executive leadership thing or, uh, or, or something. They're chasing uh, money. They're chasing status. They're chasing all these different things. And I'm just thinking at the end of the day, where does that lead you? So many people I see that have gained the whole world. Gained the whole world. Got everything. They got their master's, doctorate. The, you know, the corner office, their new fresh car, but lost their family. And I just think about how, how sad, how sad that is. Others run aimlessly. Uh, they, don't know where, they don't know whether they're coming or going. You guys remember him, right? And so they ask him a question. They say, why are you doing this? What, what cause are you doing this for? How many of you guys remember what his response was? Because I like running. He was literally going nowhere. He was just running. That's all he was doing. So many people in this life I see just running aimlessly. They don't know whether they're coming or they're going, but they seem determined. They seem determined to set a speed record to get to wherever they're going. Who knows where they're going? But they're going fast and they're going furious. So many of them are waking up and just going through the motions every single day. Working, eating, sleeping, repeat. Working, eating, sleeping, repeat with no apparent purpose. But Paul doesn't run aimlessly. See, see Paul has been called by God to proclaim the gospel just like you and I have. And so Paul fulfills this, and he does this tirelessly. He does so to be faithful to God, but he also does so to win the spiritual prize that he's pursuing. That same spiritual prize that each and every one of us should be pursuing. The Bible goes on to say, I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. And uh, this is the same thing as running aimlessly. Now, I will tell you, if you've ever shadow boxed for any amount of time, there is some benefit to that, okay? I mean, it does help with some cardio. But ultimately, you're not really doing anything, okay? You might look good. Your form might look good. Uh, but what does, Mike Tyson, what does Mike Tyson say? He said, uh, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face, right? And so, and so you might be out there. You might be looking good. You might be going through the motions and all that kind of stuff. You might look fresh. But all of a sudden, life punches you in the face, and all of a sudden, you have no stability, and, 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 and you're, just, you're just running aimlessly. You have no purpose. You have no direction in your life. He goes on to say, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. And so if you understand what he's saying here, he's saying when he, I strike a, a, a blow, that word means to literally give myself a black eye. Literally, it means to give myself a black eye. And what, what, he, what he's saying here is that uh, in this context, what he's saying is that he does this to overcome a passion, our passion. I was thinking about this, and, and, and uh, you don't, don't raise your hand, okay? Don't raise your hand. But there's so many things that are going on in our lives. There's so many things that are contending for our attention in our mind. And there's so many things that, uh, that, that lead us towards our carnal passions. 
And what Paul is saying is those things, those things that lead me to it, I punch them in the eye. I, 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 I just cold clock them. I get them out of my life. He, uh, th- this other word that he says uh, uh, to, to, uh, to my body and make it my slave. He's talking about literally bringing his body into submission. Uh, into submission to his goal. He's got his goal. He's got his mind set on what he's going to achieve. This goal in which he's, uh, he's pursuing. And so he brings his body, his mind, everything into complete submission to fulfill that cause. Many of us need to be able to bring our passions and our desires, those carnal things, bring them into submission so that we're able to pursue the call and the goal that God has for each and every one of us. This is a scary, he concludes it by this very scary thought. He says, so that after I have preached to others, so after I have disciplined my body, so after I have done all these things, this is a gospel minister, so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I think about, I think about that and I think about uh, giants of the faith that we've read about, that we've watched online, that we've celebrated, and and those that have gone on and 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 their ministries have have taken a hit, or maybe even they've passed away, and and the dirt starts coming out uh, about their ministry or about their personal life. And when I read this scripture, I think about my own life as a pastor here in this church, as a minister of the gospel, and how important it is that I have accountability, how important it is that I have disciplines in my life so that after I have preached to others, I myself would not be disqualified. (laughs) This is a sobering thought. And so the first thing that I want us to, to think about is our focus. Say, discipline your focus. All right, turn, turn to someone else say, discipline your focus. Yes, yes. Listen to this. Every day we're, we're bombarded by about 500 intrusive thoughts. Think about this. Intrusive thoughts. What does that mean exactly? That means those are thoughts that you don't want coming into your mind. Those are the bad thoughts. Over five, About 500 of intrusive thoughts are bombarding your mind every single day. Every single one of those intrusive thoughts lasts about 14 seconds. They come to your mind and you're trying to, you're trying to get rid of it, but it's there. And so the Bible's given us instruction as to how we're supposed to discipline our focus. Colossians 3, 2 says, set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are, that are on the earth. Proverbs 4, 25 says, let your eyes look directly forward. And, gaze, and your gaze be straight before you. And Jesus said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. You see, we're, we're so distracted. There's so many things uh, that we could be pursuing in our lives. And I believe that if we would discipline our focus, that we would be able to pursue the call and the, and the cause in which Christ has given each and every one of us. Think about this. Every human... Every human, uh, or the average human, average American, I should say, the average American is distracted every three minutes. Every three minutes, the average American is distracted. Now, there's some of you, there's maybe a handful of you that have been on TikTok and, you know, Instagram and all that kind of stuff. While I've been talking, you're, you're, you know, you're above average, okay? You've been distracted much longer, okay? 
Congratulations. But think about that. The average person is distracted every three minutes. And so there was a, there was a study done uh, at, at the Carnegie University, and it says that it could take up to 25 minutes just to regain focus after being distracted. Think about the time. Think about the time that you're wasting in distractions. Say, discipline your focus. So we understand that losing our focus is really easy, but regaining our focus is very, very hard. And I, I, I say this often, it's, it's easier to, to stay with the thing, to allow momentum, right, to, to, to move you forward than it is to restart it, all right? How many of you guys have had a, a gym streak where you're, you know, eating healthy and getting up early, going to the gym and all that kind of stuff, and uh, you got that momentum going, right? And then, and, and then, like, the holidays come or, you know, pandemic comes or whatever it is. And just interrupts that flow, interrupts that momentum. It's hard to get back on that horse, right? That's what we're talking about. It's easy to get off, uh, but it's, it's really hard to get back on. And so we have to discipline our focus. I got mo- to move on. Listen, if, if, we, if, if we could make it harder uh, to become distracted, then our mind will stay focused. We have to discipline ourselves. I, 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 read this, I read this thing and I thought it was really interesting. We understand that one of the ways that we could discipline our focus is through meditation. And what I mean by this is, is meditating on the Word of God. Okay, it's, Again, it's not new age, you know, grounding yourself, going out and taking off your shoes and standing and grounding yourself with the earth. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? Uh, I'm talking about meditating on the Word of God. And uh, as, as I was reading this, I came across this phrase and some of you may be familiar with it. It's called rumination 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 okay and what this is is a process by which a cow is grazing in the field and they chew on the grass right or the cuds is what they call it they chew on the grass and as they chew on it they swallow it okay and i'm sorry disclaimer it's, it's a little bit gross they swallow it and then what they do is they regurgitate it they kind of like throw it back up in their mouth and they chew on it again and they do this because the way their anatomy is set up, but it, it kind of, you know, maximizes, uh, it's more efficient for them, okay, is, is one of the ways to do it. And so as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about, you know, meditation and how rumination really equals meditation. This is really what we're talking about is to continually kind of just chew on these thoughts, uh, chew on the goodness of God. Uh, Joshua 1 8, this is Moses' charge. He says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Psalms 119 and 15 says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. Psalms 1 2 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, he meditates day and night. See, this is what I'm talking about is that we get the word of, of God in us and we begin to kind of ruminate on it. It's a new word for you guys. You, you begin to ruminate on it. You're, you're chewing on it. You're digesting it. And then you're chewing it again. We allow this to kind of take over our hearts and our minds. We allow this to get into us. The next thing that we need to discipline is we need to discipline our frequency. And so the first thing that I want to tell you is that uh, you need to tune into the right channel. Uh, uh, we, we did a sermon series some time ago on, play, uh, on prayer life matters. And Pastor Omar preached a sermon on frequency. And he was talking about tuning in to God. 
He used an illustration of a transistor radio and how you have to kind of fix that dial just right to hear God. And so, listen, you can always find God, but you need to be tuned in the frequency of God to understand what he's saying. And so this is what I'm talking about. Frequency is dialing in to these things. The other frequency that I'm talking about is repetition and consistency. And so we have to be consistent in what we're doing. We have to be consistent in these disciplines so that they create new pathways. It's, it's a neural pathway that is embedded in your mind and your heart, and you begin to just start doing this automatically. How many of you have, have, have uh, committed to reading and praying every single day? You wake up, and I'm going to read and pray every single day. If you begin to be consistent and frequent in that, it'll build a habit in which you're able to do automatically. But if we start and stop, start and stop, it doesn't, it doesn't work the way that it's supposed to. But we have to be consistent in these things. And so uh, I, I love Daniel 6.10. The Bible says that he got down on his knees, talking about Daniel. He got down on his, on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. And so this is really a consistency, a frequency in who he was. This is what he did. He just, it didn't matter what the mandate was. He just went and did what God had always called him to do. I appreciate so much this church and our leadership, our pastors, that uh, uh, there was a mandate that, that, that went out, but we just went back and just did exactly what we do. We, we just went back and we just preached the gospel. We went back and we just began to pray. Just like Daniel, he got down three times on his knees, three times a day, and prayed and gave thanks to, before his God just as he had always done previously. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And so again, we're talking about consistency or frequency, disciplining our frequency and disciplining our consistency. The last thing is this. I want you to consider this, is that we need to be disciplined even in our failure. We need to be disciplined even in our failure. See, failure is part of the journey. Failure is part of the journey. We say, we say around here that failure is an event. Failure is not a person. And so maybe you've experienced failure in your life. And maybe that failure has caused you to not retry. Maybe that failure, you trusted someone one time and, and they failed you and they, they, they violated you. And so you've decided, well, I'm just not going to trust anymore. You've quit on trusting, right? You've quit on love. You've quit on relationships. Failing is a part of our life. And so we, we say around here is that we, we grow through our failures. We don't go through it. We don't just go through something. We grow through this. We allow failure in our lives and determination to lead us to success. And so when we fail, we get back up and we try it again. I said, when you fail, you get back up and you try it again. I think about, I was talking to, our, to Pastor Omar and I was thinking about this story and I, I'm going to share it. So uh, he talks about the heartache of 98. And uh, if, if you know what was going on, there was a lot of things going on in the ministry. And uh, he had determined to, to quit. He had determined that this was, this was no longer what he wanted to do. This is 1998. Think about this. 1998. And a lot of things were happening, and, and he just felt like maybe he wasn't called. Maybe what, what, whatever was going on in his mind. 
and he wanted to give up and there was there was someone there was someone that spoke life there was someone that that gave hope there was someone that he was able to call that refired his passion in 1999 think about this 98 in 1999 uh this church the paramount church uh got into the madison building once that happened revival broke out uh pastor dave hernandez and the hernandez family came together that church came together and they experienced an explosion of revival there were churches that were planted immediately following this there was uh conferences that were built out and now here we are walking in the goodness and the grace of god because someone someone didn't give up think about that so many of us so many of us we're on the brink of our greatest comeback. You're on the brink of your greatest comeback. And so, so we said this, is that God will use your setback as your setup. God will use your setback as your setup. I, I believe that there's some that are here tonight that God is setting you up for the, one of the greatest comebacks you'll ever, you'll ever experience in your life. Now's not the time to give up. Uh, the Bible says, Philippians 1.6 says, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Think about that. His work is going to continue until the day that Jesus Christ comes back. And so how many of you are, how many of you need a little bit more work? We all need a little bit more work. And I'm confident that God is faithful to complete his work and continue his work until that day. Jeremiah 8, 4 says, uh, says this, this is what the Lord says. You, you know, if a man falls down, he gets up again. And if a man goes the wrong way, he turns around and comes back. I, I think that there's many people here. Maybe you've fallen down, uh, but the, but the spirit of God is telling you to get back up again. Maybe there's those of you that are, are going the wrong way and God is calling you to turn around and come back to him. Proverbs 24, 16, we all know this. The righteous may fall seven times, but still get up. But the wicked will stumble into trouble. And so failure is an opportunity for us to get better. I'm talking about disciplining ourselves even through failure. And so I, there, I, was, I was at the gym, and this is in closing. I was at the gym uh, a week ago, and there was this monster of a man, okay? I, I thought I was pretty strong, you know, and I, anyways, this monster of a man. And he had on like five plates on each on each side, and he's doing and he's squatting. And I can't understand why anybody would want to want to do that, but it looked really cool. And he's 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 getting it right. He's just going for it. And uh, um, I was with a couple of the guys, and we were working out, you know, somewhere else, far away from that guy, so he wasn't shaming us. And I heard this loud crash, this loud bang, right? And I looked back, and that guy had failed. Switch call, failed. He had failed, and he dropped this weight, and everything went crashing down. I mean, everyone, there was other people on, you know, on the racks, and all of their weights fell off. It was just a big mess. And the guy failed, and, uh, and he's there, and he's just kind of you know, catch, you know, catching his breath and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't go and talk to him that day, but the other day I, I, I ran into him, and I, uh, I thought, you know, I need to go ask this guy, what, you know, what happened, right? And, uh, uh, and, and he said, you know, I often push myself in the gym to, to, to see what I have in me. 
And uh, I, I was thinking about that, and I've, I, I've, we've said this around here, is that oftentimes we don't know what we have in us until we put, until we put something on us. And so this, this guy, this guy, this monster of a man, he was just ministering to me. He had no idea, right? He thought he was giving me, like, bro science and, and, and working out. But I realized that failure is part of the journey. And I realized that in our failure that we're able to assess where we're at. And it's not a failure if you if if you if you get back up and you do it again. And and, and this guy, uh, I saw him that day, and he was he was squatting. And he got it. He, he got it. He got he he lifted it, and uh, he did it one time, and that was his personal best, and and it, and it was awesome. But had he not ever tried it and failed, he would have never been able to assess what he needs to do to get better and come back and, and achieve it. And I, I want to tell you tonight. I'm, I want to tell you that failure in your life. Many of us have experienced it. I've experienced it time and time again in my life. But if we could take that failure and apply it and grow through it, allow God to, to help us, allow leadership to speak into us, allow those around us to speak life into us and to build us back up. I believe that we could be disciplined in these things and that we could, we, we could fulfill the mandate. We could fulfill the destiny that each and every one of us have in our lives. Don't let failure, don't let failure cause fear in your life. Don't let failure cause you to quit. Quit on people. Quit on the call of God on your life. And so th th this last thing, I want, you to, I want you to consider this, is that you don't have to be the victim of your environment. We talked about victim and victors the other day. You don't have to be the victim of your environment, but with God's help, you can also be the architect of it. And so tonight, I, I, want, I want us to kind of just bow your head and close your eyes with me. I, I want to pray for, for a lot of different things here tonight. But just bow your head and close your eyes and reverence to God. I've talked about a lot of things. And again, I, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. What I'm talking about is not self-help. Okay? It's not positive reinforcement. Okay? This is not behavior modification. This is the spirit and the power of God. Spiritual truths being spoken to spiritual people. And before I go any further, we, we always want to give an invitation for those that maybe you're not, maybe you're not walking with God today. Maybe, uh, maybe it's kind of what I was talking about is that you were walking with God and somewhere around uh, along the way, somewhere, somewhere along this race, you've abandoned, you just quit. Maybe there was failure in your life and you've just felt like I can't overcome that. I've gone too far. I've done too much. No one will give me a second chance. I'm here to tell you that God is the God of the second, third, fourth, fifth, a millionth chance. And so if you're in the house tonight and, and you're saying, you know, Pastor Isaac, I'm, I'm away from God. I'm not living for God. Uh, I can't tell you that, 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 that Christ is king of my, of my life or Lord of my life. If that's you in the house, I want you to lift your hand. I, I, I want to pray with you. Come on, just real quick. Just put your hand up. If, if that's you in the house, you're saying, I'm, I'm away from God. There's a hand up already. Come on, put those hands up. This is the most important thing that, that we, we'll do ever is getting our lives back in line with God. And so I'm just going to stay right here, just stay in this moment, because I believe that the Holy Spirit is, is working on hearts and minds even right now. Again, if you want to pray, if you want to pray the sinner's prayer and say, you know, God, I, 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 need, to, I need to get back up. I need, to, I, I need to follow you. Anybody else in the house will, will join uh, these others that raise their hand. Come on, just lift your hand real quick. 
Come on, I, I, I want to give you this opportunity. The Holy Spirit is here. The anointing is here. And I don't want to move too quickly, but we're, we are going to move on. Anybody else at all? There's hands going up. Come on, there's hands going up all over the place. God was waiting for them. The Holy Spirit's been talking to you. You've been trying to be distracted, but the Holy Spirit's been wrestling with you. Real quick, one last time. Anybody else at all? There's hands still going up all over the place. Those of you that raise your hand, I want you to look at me. I, there, there's one right here. Just look at me. Come on, just look at me just real quick. Those back there. I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you, I want you without even thinking about it, okay? Don't worry about what people are thinking. Don't worry about what the person sitting next to you is going to think about you. I want you to get up out of your seat and meet me right here. Just come and meet me right here. Come on, just get out of your seat and just meet me right here. Come on. Come on, don't even think about it. Just get out of your seat. We're, I, I don't want to shame you. This is not to embarrass anybody. Come on, just get out of your seat. We're, we're going to pray with you. We want to pray with you. Come on. Come on, this is people getting their lives right. Come on. Come on, we're just going to clap for you. Come on, you come up here, bro. Just stand right here. Jason's going to pray with you. Stand right here. How you doing? Anybody else? Come on. Anybody else? I, I saw hands coming up. I'm going to ask the ushers, if, if you saw those hands go up, I want you to go and pray with those people. I want you to go and minister to them, okay? Just come on. Come on up. There's those that are coming up. Come on. We're going to have someone pray with you. We're going to have one of our ushers come and pray with you. Come on. Give them a hand. Give them a hand. I appreciate you guys being honest. You're not being honest necessarily with, with me, but being honest with God. Our usher's going to pray with you, okay? They're going to lead you in the sinner's prayer. We, uh, we want them to minister to you. So just go ahead. Just, just go ahead and, and pray with them. We want to lead them in the sinner's prayer. We want to we pray repentance, okay? All right. I want to I talk to Christians here tonight, and I want to talk to you about disciplining your Disciplining your focus. Maybe some of us are distracted. Maybe the things in this life, our careers, our schooling, uh, or education, or relationships. Oh my goodness, I said it. Our relationships have us distracted. We need to discipline our focus, right? Maybe, maybe you're here a Christian, leader, man, woman, man of God, woman of God. And you're just not praying as frequently as you need to. You're not reading your word as frequently as you need to. I, I, I'm speaking to you tonight. I want you to, to, to ask God to help you to discipline. Discipline yourself in that. And lastly, I want to speak to those that maybe feel like you failed. Maybe you feel, I'm not saying that you're in sin. I'm not saying that you're, you've walked away from God, but you feel like you failed. And that whatever it is that God put in your heart, the vision of ministry that God put in your heart, you feel like it's gone. There's, there's no coming back. If that's you in the house, I want you to just, any one of those, I want you to just get out of your seat and come down here and just begin to pray. I just want you to just, come on, just you and God. Come on, get out of your seat. Come on. Everyone's waiting around. Everyone's looking around to see who's, who's coming. Come on. Just get out of your seat. You're responding to the Spirit of God in this moment. Come on. Come on, just begin to pray. Just begin to pray. There's grace for us, guys. There's grace for us. God's not looking for perfection. And I believe tonight that God's going to give us grace. I believe that there's those that are going to have a, a refire in their vision, in their ministry vision, that God is going to re-inspire, refire, 
give you a refocus. Come on, just begin to pray. Come on, just find a place. If you're out there, maybe you're out there sitting, you're just saying like, I don't know, maybe you're just fighting against the Holy Spirit. I want you to pray. Just come on, get, just get out of your seat. They're going to lead us in worship. I want you to just get out of your seat and pray. If, if, if you're good, I want you to come find someone to pray with. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.